the next story is titled student debt problems worse than we imagined. And I was like, yeah, of course, because 18% of kids are buying crypto. That doesn't sound responsible <laughs> all at all. They're all All right, coming up on today's episode of the Crypto Basic Podcast, we got the Wolf of Wall Street crying wolf. Square scores a crypto patent. There's a Coinbase survey that we're going to talk about for some reason. The student debt problem, quote unquote, worse. Mount Gox civil rehabilitation. Can they be rehabilitated? We're going to talk about Ian Bellina. I'm so sorry about that. Fake Toshi getting baited and Bitrix needs to learn their shit with security finally we're going to talk about some football but not the american kind (laughs) good morning and welcome to the 35th edition of the friday flagship on the crypto basic podcast today is august the 31st 2018 i'm joined by my usual partners in crime brent philbin what's up committing crimes like crazy and kareem (laughs) baruke no 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 hello everybody I just closed my outline by accident. <laughs> I was Control trying to move it so I could read it more in the camera, and I hit the X button by accident. So, hey. Yes, yes. You should have an outline open. It's easier. So, gentlemen, are there any announcements we're looking to make today while I'm loading my outline? <laughs> okay, yeah. So, we we've got a couple of announcements. Number one is... I almost caught Kareem, but I don't think it's going to happen. Nano went bananas in like the last week and made like 300%. So now it's just a race for the bottom. Kareem is going to win in a couple days with this contest. And uh, one of us is going to have to do something embarrassing. So also, we've got Anthony Lusardi's coming back on the show. He's from the uh, Ethereum Classic Cooperative. And we have an interview with Brave Director of Business Development, Luke Either Molks or Molkus. I probably should ask him how to pronounce that before I said it on the show. But I think it's Molks. And uh, look for look for Anthony next week. I think Luke might be the week after, depending on when I get that interview done. But they're coming up. So enjoy those particular things. I will ask them the burning questions. Leave them in the Discord if you want to learn some stuff. And otherwise, that's all the announcements. <laughs> Alrighty, righty. Let's move on to the news section. Let's get started with Jordan Belford, the original gangsta of the Wolf of Wall Street. He is literally howling at the moon right now, Brent. Lead us off. <laughs> God, we so we talked about this when we did our, our cryptocurrency thing, but it it bears mentioning because uh, because of a couple reasons. So there was a documentary called Boomer Bust, which none of us have seen, but we've seen the community reaction to it. And basically, Jordan Belford, the Wolf of Wall Street, was on there talking about crypto being a scam. Now, just about the only thing he's qualified to talk about in cryptocurrency is scams because he's a fucking scam artist. Like the fact that he, they made a great movie about him really kind of helps this guy because he did 22 months for stealing a bunch of money from a bunch of people. So, you know, like dep- whatever you want to think about the pump and dump schemes and the, all that shit, like it was that they were doing illegal stuff. And again, Leonardo DiCaprio made this guy look like he's, you know, kind of cool. So so anyway, why are we talking about him in crypto? Well, he always talks shit about cryptocurrency whenever he goes on. He doesn't know anything about it. Like, it's not like he's talking, he's saying things from an educated perspective where he's like, well, you know, I think that maybe that we're overestimating the network effect and 
we're overestimating how quickly adoption will happen. And I think we're kind of in a bubble. No, he's just like, that's a scam. People are scamming you. Don't do it. So he was a focus of this documentary for some fucking reason. I don't know. Um, but I thought it was kind of hilarious that the editor of CryptoBriefing.com, the editor, the actual editor, released like an article. And I clicked on it, and all the article was was two sentences. Jordan Belfort has a cool nickname and nothing interesting to say about cryptocurrency. I could write more about this, but I would rather gouge my own eyes out with a spoon. <laughs> uh, dude, I, I think, you know, we talked about this during the uh, cryptocurrency event, like you said, but... It's frustrating here that we have so much like celebrity worship because that's that's what this is really about. Like the guy became a celebrity because there was a movie about him and all of a sudden his opinion matters on this. I'm not saying that because he was in stocks, he can't have an opinion about cryptocurrency, but then come with a well-researched position. In some of the interviews, he's even specifically said like that he doesn't need to look into it that much. Like he knows a scam when he sees one. Well, if you're talking about technology and you don't even understand it, and again, why is this person famous? Oh, because he was a thief, because he committed fraud, and he only committed two months, and now he's famous and still rich. Like, I don't understand why this person's opinion is valued enough that they would be the centerpiece of a documentary about Bitcoin. So it's just, I mean, it's ridiculous that that his opinion even holds so much weight. I don't even think that anybody really thinks that he has a great opinion on crypto. I just think that he has such a network within the Wall Street world that he just, you know, who knows what type of modern level scams he's currently participating in or or what types of ways he's, you know, charging too much fees for some mundane task just based on what his name is. You know, these are the reasons why this guy is just going to continue to suppress crypto because he's clearly massively biased. He's the wolf of Wall Street. This is literally disrupting his entire industry, his entire brand. And of course, he's going to fight back. So here's one thing that that kind of annoys me about the crypto community. Now, first of all, I will say I agree with you, Mike, that nobody in crypto really gives a shit what this guy has to say. But people outside may. But here's my issue with inside of crypto. If this story was wolf of Wall Street, says that he likes cryptocurrency, though the entire community would be sucking his balls. And that's that's unfortunate because if he says he likes it or he doesn't like it, neither opinion matters. He's a uh, so I'm I'm almost glad he's taking a bad opinion that way when he flip-flops in 3 years when he has to, that uh you know, we don't we don't forgive him for his uh poor position. So yeah, yep, that's it. Get this guy out of here. No, but Next. I agree. I agree with you, Brennan, and I think that has been shown with a lot of people. Like, uh, I mean, I think his opinion matters more. But I know people have freaked out about some pretty mundane comments that Steve Wozniak or the co-founder of Apple. I know, like, he said a couple of positive things, and you know, I, like you said, not they want to use that to be like, oh well, <laughs> you know, Jesus has said crypto's the future. So here you go. Well, to be fair, Steve Wozniak like was the original inventor of his right. own currency. Like his opinion actually matters because he has something to say about up and coming technology. So uh, no, no, I mean like he carries around Steve Wozniak dollars in his pocket. I, oh, really? I don't know if you remember seeing those. No. Yeah, he has he has like money with his name on it or his picture on it, and he gives it to people. What? <laughs> I, I wish I could remember the specifics about why he gives it to people, but he does. There are Steve Wozniak like dollars. 
Stand by while Kareem Googles. I did not have a good transition from Steve Wozniak dollars to anything else. However, uh, this next story is a little bit interesting because a a week or so ago, I literally had a dream about Square creating their own cryptocurrency. And now we have an interesting story about Square. So, Brent, what is going on? So I've mentioned a couple times that Square taking cryptocurrency is going to be a really good thing if and when it happens. They have won a patent for a cryptocurrency payment system. Now, I am very wary of patents in the cryptocurrency space. Like, they're, I don't know what, like, that's going to be a very tough rabbit hole to go down. Like, how, how do you patent Bitcoin? How do you patent a lot of stuff? A lot of the, the logos are all free use and stuff like that. We have the Bitcoin logo in our podcast logo and we're not doing anything wrong. So I have I definitely have some misgivings about having a patent of the technology. But they do have a patent of basically what amounts to a private blockchain now. So they are going to – and <laughs> it's kind of funny to say private blockchain because that's not a whole lot different than a bank's ledger. But they are going to, I guess, have some sort of block explorer allowed to see it or something. But – that it's going to basically get rid of all the latency that they have, um, and they'll be able to accept cryptocurrency or whatever currency you want anywhere that takes Square, and then you'll be able to accept currency in whatever form you want. So if you want to take Bitcoin, you take Bitcoin. If you want to take U.S. dollars, you take U.S. dollars. People can pay however, and then it settles up on your end. To me, it sounds like a way to work in a lot of fees into a cryptocurrency transaction. Square takes like a little over 3% right now, but... Then again, businesses need payment processors, even with like MasterCard and Visa, which has been around forever. Like you need somebody to process those payments, even though they're a developed technology. So it may be a really good onboarding ramp for businesses. So I've always said that Square taking it is good. And the CEO is very pro crypto. And also, if I'm doing crypto onboarding right now, I do it through Cash App because it's so simple. Um, so Jack Dorsey said the Internet deserves a native currency. It will have a native currency. I don't know if it will be Bitcoin or not. I hope it will be Bitcoin, is what he said during an interview. So, um, you know, the misgivings about it being a private blockchain, misgivings about it being centralized around Square, but they also have said that they will 100% um, take responsibility for double spend attacks. So, because the way their blockchain works, I guess they could kind of still get that. And, um, you know, it's it's getting, it's not going to eliminate the fees like crypto to crypto actually could, but it might make it more manageable for businesses to take a currency that we all hope catches on. So trade-offs with everything, my friends. Trade-offs with everything. And Brent, cash uh, with um, Cash App, you could buy Bitcoin for free, right? Like that's what you use to yeah. no fees, basically? It says no fees, but it's never like an equivalent exchange. So I think there might be a spread that I'm that not aware sense. of. I, I haven't bought in a while, and I know they're not allowed to hide the spread, but they tell you exactly like what you're going to be paying for. So I'm sure on each end of buying selling, like I think the last time I did it, I I had like three hundred dollars in there, and I ended up with two hundred ninety seven dollars worth of uh worth of Bitcoin, either because the price changed or because they had it built into the spread. So maybe if I sold, it would have been three o or it would have been uh you know less. I don't I have no idea, but um. Like, they might have been priced at 303 or something. I have no idea. That's backwards spread. But anyway, it otherwise, like, transferring out of there had no fee. Like, going from – if I send it to Binance, they don't even take the network fee out of it. So You can t- you can send Bitcoin out of there now? Yeah. You can't send it in, though. Oh, you can, always, you can out. So, you can send it out. 
Yeah, I was just explaining this to somebody, uh, one of my friends, uh, like a couple days ago, who was, he's like, look, I don't want to do like any uh, speculating, I but I do need to understand how this works because I'm some of the stuff that I'm doing, I need to in- involve Bitcoin. And I was like, oh, yeah. It's, so I told him, onboard with Cash App, send it to wherever you need to send it. And when you need to cash out, use Abra because that's the, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't like Gemini anymore, and I'm banned from Coinbase. So if I'm taking money out, it's got to be on Abra. <laughs> Overall, I mean, this is pretty good, though. Like, company that's done everything pretty well and still making things easier. So it's going to be good for mass adoption. I love the Square user experience uh, as a centralized company. So make no mistake, this is centralization of the crypto assets. But I'm kind of comfortable with Square being the one so far. But And like we always say, though, you know, it'll be an ecosystem that has interactions between centralized and decentralized entities. So like that's just somebody is centralized around some of the transactions of moving assets from one location to another, but they're like they're handling Bitcoin, for example, and Bitcoin is still decentralized itself. So, you know, it'll be a little bit of everything. I'm sure. I personally am very excited about Square going forward and I hope they continue to reach new goals and new improvements here and there. I think the I don't, I'm not super familiar with how useful a crypto patent is. I don't know what that fully means, but from the sounds of it, or one of my hypotheses would be, I think that this is like one of the many ways that they're trying to add credibility to this. Like, if you're a business and you can say you have a crypto patent on this particular design, then obviously that that has value. So. I'm not sure how much they needed this, but I think it does add some interesting credibility to their assessment. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, again, I don't know, because like you, we would have to look up exactly what it means, but I wouldn't put too much stock on the fact that it's being called a crypto patent. Like, There's a pretty good chance that it's just a patent, which as long as it involves any type of, you know, cryptography or using cryptocurrency or engaging with cryptocurrencies like i feel like there's a lot of ways that you could take a patent and just make it a quote-unquote crypto patent and market it that way we have we have the link to the patent in the show notes so you can actually check out for yourself what is and is not covered in that patent it's very long i didn't have time to go through it all there's a lot of diagrams a lot of pictures a lot of text so somebody wants to go through that and tell us exactly what part they're they're patenting it looked like just the payment system to me and it also looked like you had to have like a wallet with them like you couldn't just spend bitcoin from your own wallet at the point of sale you had to actually have a balance with them so i would imagine you just you're probably going to take the cash app and just like scan it and they're going to take the balance out of your cash app with whatever currency you have in there if I, that's that's probably the long-term goal i hope so because i kind like i said i kind of use cash app as a way to spend bitcoin point of sale anyways because cash app has a has a credit card all right, our next story here, Kareem. Uh, this story gave me a crazy pitch. So when are we going to set up a booth at a college campus to start pimping out the Crypto Basic podcast, huh? <laughs> yes, yes. So this is going to surprise everybody. Cryptocurrency is popular amongst them kids. <laughs> them crazy kids. Yeah, but also uh, headlines tend to blow things up a little bit. But anyway... So out of the top 50 universities, um, I was ranked by, I don't know, one of those things. <laughs> Random metric. Yeah. like maybe <laughs> Some pro- arbitrary 50 universities. <laughs> yeah. the, the JD Power top 50 <laughs> universities. Uh, anyway, but out of the top 50 universities, 
21 of them now offer a class on blockchain technology or cryptocurrency. Uh, 11 of those top universities offer more than one class. So Coinbase was doing a survey of some of these schools and some of these students. Um, In New York in particular, just to give you a kind of show the growth, in 2014, there was a blockchain class that got 35 students enrolled. And now in the spring of 2018... They are having to split that class into two different blocks because they have 280 students. And I actually think that this is, you know, this is kind of like on the side, it's like little news, but think about that. Right now, this year, there are 280 kids going to school that are interested in this compared to 35 in 2014. You know, these are the these are the people who in three, four, five years are going to be the new hires of the major cryptocurrency projects, the guys creating, bringing something new to the table, you know? So um, it's exciting. It's just a reminder that like, we're still at exponential growth. Um, hold on a second, Brent. I see you changing around the numbers. What's going on? No, no, I just put, like you had 8% of students in surveys that they own. Oh, but up here it said 18%, so I want to make no, sure no, no, you saw no, no. that. 18. Yeah, 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 no, 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 it is the 18. So the headline says that 18% of students own cryptocurrency, but the title fails to mention that these are students in the blockchain and cryptocurrency classes. So <laughs> it's only 18% of the kids in those classes? I think so. I think so. Like, Come it, on. It, but look, all I'm saying is that number seems high to me overall that well 18% of college students i mean the article There's made it no seem way like, 18% of all college students have crypto think I, about I like the number Brent. of people you talk to i mean even college age i was just i just spent a decent amount of time in gainesville not a single person that i talked to knew anything about crypto i was part of the like uh the crypto group in the gainesville area and there were like three total people posting in there so yeah 18% wow. of one class is pretty uh, it is actually pretty high, and it gives you an idea of oh, if only 18% of the people who are actually in the cryptocurrency class actually own cryptocurrency. In case you're ever wondering whether you're an early adopter or not still, there you go. Uh, I have a couple thoughts here. One, when I took an economics class, I had no U.S. dollars, so I feel their pain. Um <laughs> And uh, the other thing is, well, why don't we knock out two birds with one stone at the next presidential election? We'll go visit some campuses and we'll we'll promote our podcast and do whatever else Kareem wants to do while and we're there. And sell crypto. <laughs> yeah, we'll sell. Yo, I got what you need, son. Come here, got guys. Let me teach you about that Zen right here. Be connect. <laughs> Actually, tailgating would be fun. Um. All right. Oh, I did have a question for you guys. I, I had a fun. I'm having fun with these where I find like an interesting number and then I just Are we gonna are we gonna are we gonna Chinese auction it? You're not gonna Chinese auction okay. You're just All gonna right. you're just gonna pick a number to see how they compare. So the article okay. mentioned specifically the difference between students who were majoring in computer science versus students who were majoring in social sciences, right? So uh, and the question was how interested are you in <clears throat> nascent technology? And obviously they talk like uh, up and coming technology, new technology. Okay. Um, what percentage of the computer science students do you think showed significant interest versus the social science st- students who showed significant interest, or which one do you think was higher? Uh, Brent, uh, what is this? What what qualifies as social? So sciences? social sciences would be like history, politics, uh, that kind of stuff. So your people. 
Yeah, my people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kareem wouldn't have sciences... brought this up if the social sciences weren't more interested. So yeah, I know. Uh, I already do that. I, I would do that. That's right? a very interesting that read. Social... We're gonna see if Brent's read is right. That social. Now, s- it, it it may be that we're supposed to think that the tech people are way more interested, and the social science people are, are approximately equivalently interested, which which is going to still prove Kareem's point. So I'm gonna right, go so with equivalently interested. Rephrase the question, Kareem. Well, no, Brent's read is on point. Brent gets 10 points. <laughs> no, right. I was surprised. So, Okay, what percentage of students in social sciences do you think said they were very interested in new technologies compared to people in computer science? Well, I, all right, personal experience. I was in. I started at computer science for my original major when I went to USF. Oh, and my only, my only motivation was, oh, I'm... I'm now a college student. I have to go get a nine to five job. I have to go do something that I'm supposed to. I'm, I'm supposed to get a degree because nobody in my family has a degree. And this was the path that is of the least resistance, more than likely. So that's where I started. So I only lasted a semester. And until I said, fuck this shit, I don't know anything about this. And like, I, I don't have time for it. Like it was way up. Like I just, it, it didn't grasp me. So, you know, I went to psychology and then I went to, business and then i dropped out and here we are yeah that's crazy that you thought least resistance and you went with computer science because everybody well, else does business no, <laughs> they're like well, uh, because, business that's what i did well i had also like been gaming on computers for a long time i'd built computers at that point i had a summer job uh at a computer repair shop at the time i mean this is oh four so this is you know eons ago but you know it seemed like oh like i'm a smart kid i have right. reasonable intelligence like Computers are cool. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, (laughs) and then I realized that I was not like anybody else in the class. (laughs) Uh, So what did they think about emerging technologies? Yeah, what, did you ask them what they thought about (laughs) emerging technologies, Mike, your classmates, so we can verify this Uh, Coinbase survey? (laughs) Yeah, all we did was exchange our Facebook uh, .edu email addresses, so we had exclusive access to the college level Facebook that nobody else oh, had access to at I'm the gonna, time. I'm going to classify that as high level of interest in <laughs> up and coming technology. Um, but anyway, that's more or less the story. I just thought it was kind of funny when I read the title uh, because of course this was on well, Reddit. No, of course. voted 18% of students. <laughs> and of course, and once I'm reading, I, I'm like, oh, 18%. So when I was preparing the transitions for this outline, the next story is titled Student Debt Problems Worse Than We Imagined. And I was like, yeah, of course, because 18% of kids are buying crypto. That doesn't sound responsible <laughs> all at all. Now. <laughs> but like <laughs> So Kareem, why don't you why don't you tie these two stories together for us? Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> the reality is that they don't have a lot of crypto because we don't have a lot of money right now. So a new story came out. This was in the cover of the New York Times and it was economics, but there was a recent Freedom of Information Act request from the Department of Education, which caused them to release some new stats that weren't being uh, kept track of anymore or published. So right now, the typical U.S. student has to borrow about $6,000 a year. So by the time they graduate, they come out on average with $22,000 in debt. Um, But the focus of the article was basically the way that the government decides whether or not people are going to be able to pay doesn't have a lot to do with the reality because they just look at the very first short-term period. So they originally, it looked like uh, when we were looking at borrowers who started paying back their student loans in 2012, about 10% of them defaulted after three years, which is not great, but is not terrible. And then 
the government stopped tracking in 2014. Well, now through this Freedom of Information Act request, they released new statistics and it's turned out that a huge percentage of those people just more and more people kept defaulting. So now we're looking at 16, 15%, 15 and between 15 and 16% of students, uh, people with student debts have already defaulted after the third year and another 15% are delinquent. So we're looking at like 30% of people who are in deep trouble with their student debt. And the last time I looked at the number for overall in the US, it's like $1.5 trillion. So we have this situation that we had. I don't want to say exactly like 2008 when we were talking about mortgages, but it's just important, you know, whatever our positions are to think of just like a student debt, especially as there's more and more defaults than the people who made those loans, whether they're government institutions or private institutions are now not receiving that money. This is creating excessive risk. Um, and it's just something to keep an eye out, basically, for uh, something that's been developing. So anyway, if we're waiting for the college generation to tie the stories together, Mike, if we're waiting for that generation to buy up a bunch of crypto and take y'all to a bull market, you're going to be waiting a while. <laughs> yeah, that's that's certainly not our path to a high market cap, but hopefully it's our <laughs> path to a little more mass adoption. Yeah. And, you know, it'll be interesting to have maybe some solutions come into this space. Um, you know, obviously, we could have personal ideas uh, about why college is so expensive or why things are getting so out of hand. But even just from a perspective of, like, transparency and seeing where the money's going and making sure people can pay, and like, you could definitely see tons of areas where maybe blockchain efficiency and technology can improve uh, the situation, but looks like it's getting worse before it gets better, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, that's true. So let's move on to another story. Longtime listeners will recognize these shitbags. They're the original fake hack scam pulled by Mount Gox. Mount Gox. And uh, Brent, what is their rehabilitation looking like these days? All right. The Magic the Gathering online exchange is back in the news. And they are... Uh, okay, so remember when that guy like a couple of months ago, went on Reddit and he was like, hey, I'm the CEO of Mt. Gox. I don't want any of your money. We sold all, all we sold Bitcoin to take care of what our US dollar responsibilities were, our fiat responsibilities were. And now we have all this extra Bitcoin left over. The way the bankruptcy was structured, he was going to get that. And he he started saying like, hey, I don't want this. I'm asking them to restructure this as civil rehabilitation, which means I have to pay that to the to the creditors and uh we were super incredulous we're like this guy's not going to just throw back a billion dollars that's ridiculous uh he did he got civil rehabilitation now i don't know if it was <clears throat> i don't know if he's like going out there and being like oh i'm gonna don't worry i'm gonna push for this and he just knew he was gonna get fucked anyway so he's just trying to get like some uh some good press out of it but if you had money on Mount Gox, and I, and as for the crypto basic podcast, I know a lot of our listeners probably weren't around back then. Uh, we weren't, so we didn't have any. But if you do or did, you are now entitled to not only the Bitcoin that you had on there uh, divided equally with this percentage of what they found, but you're also going to get all the forks. You're going to get the Bitcoin cash. You're going to get the Bitcoin gold. Oh, nice. You're going to get whatever the fuck Craig Wright's new shit is, and <laughs> you're going to have all of that returned to you, but you have to go to mountgox.com and sign up again. Even if you signed up for the original 
um, the original lawsuit, you have to do it again because this is a new structure, uh, the way things work in Japan. So, uh, you know, kudos to Japan. Our, our president is uh, is still yelling at him for Pearl Harbor, but at the same time, they're getting everybody their money back for, for Mount Gox. <laughs> I don't even know. I wish that was a I, joke. It's I true. Wish. He's not even kidding. He's not I, even that's kidding. why I just laughed because, like, when I saw Kareem's face, I knew – I didn't know the reference, but I knew there was a really good story there. Oh man, but this is but this is a cool way to structure it, though, Brent. I agree. I agree with you. Like, ultimately, what you really want is for the people who got screwed to make out, even more so than just the person to get punished. What we would ideally want is the victims to to be made whole. You know, like that's more important than anything. Yeah, we want justice. Yeah. So it looks like you know if you if you're thinking in terms of fiat. Yeah, they just forced you to hold, and they gave you your money, and now they're going to give you your crypto, too. So, uh, for, for those kind of unfamiliar with the story, the quick version is Mt. Gox became insolvent out of nowhere. They said they got hacked. They probably didn't really get hacked. And then, after all this was said and done, they magically found a like a stash of Bitcoin that was able to get seized before they were able to take it. So, that's been just sitting there under the control of a trustee. And at like the 20K mark, they sold. So they also put a massive amount of downward pressure on the market because they sold a lot of Bitcoin at that at that 20K point. And uh, and, you know, they whatever they're they sold at the top. Good job. They must be real good crypto traders. I wish they had a YouTube channel so I could watch them draw triangles. Show me their signals. Yeah, that would be great. (laughs) I mean, it's easy to sell at the top when your sale is the one that causes (laughs) <laughs> the more I get to start going down. <laughs> All right. This next story is uh, is pretty important to me because it really emphasizes what types of things um, send our BS detectors into high alert. Uh, I had heard of this guy, Ian Bellina, several times before I eventually watched like the first piece of content of his. And I remember at that moment, I was just like, this is our competition. This is the guy that like is popular. So, Brent, what is this story all about? Well, first thing I'll say is he is not our competition. The The people that are co- constantly watching Ian Bellina, I do not believe are people that are going to be interested in our show. They're interested in ICO moonshots and uh, a bunch of like overhyped bullshit. And that's what Ian Bellina does. So he is basically the definition of a shameless shill. The only thing he didn't do was, to my knowledge, he didn't pimp BitConnect at all. So he's still allowed to be in the space because he's pimping like shitty ICOs instead of definite scams. So um, he's one of the, he's one of the biggest massive shills out there. He takes a lot of compensation. Uh, that's why we're so careful about saying if we ever get compensated um, for, for anything that we do. For instance, the brave, I mentioned that we're talking to the, uh, to this, to the brave uh, uh, Luke from brave and we're getting compensated for that. They're sending us hydro flasks. We're each getting a little brave hydro flask, so we're getting compensated. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ian Bellina is getting. They're going to look like this, but they'll say brave mm-hmm. right, right here. Yeah, YouTube is getting, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, Ian Bellina is getting 2.5 million dollars worth of tokens. So we're doing something wrong. Um, now he, so <laughs> just to give you a little bit of background on this guy. Now the reason this popped up is because it looks like he's running a like an ICO pool. That you're not, re- that, but he's doing it from the U.S., so he's not really allowed to be doing it, I guess. Um, 
he is one of the uh, like okay so back a long time ago he said he got hacked for like two million dollars when it was tax season and then it happened like live on air at the time like he was on youtube live he got hacked now people think he didn't get hacked but you know he he says he did and the reason he said he got hacked is because he was keeping his private keys in Evernote online <laughs> uh, in the cloud. <laughs> so this guy, m- millions of people are listening to tell them what to do with crypto, did the equivalent of putting a sticky note with his password on his computer. And hope nobody else in the office would log into his computer and steal his stuff. Yeah. Well, how could that ever wor- work out bad? Th- having a sticky note with your password on it. Jeez. So, so down the line now, here we are where somebody w- released like a whistleblowing thing where they're like, you know, Ian Bellina is, uh, is running a cryptocurrency pool where he's selling tokens at a markup to the people that he's working with. So if I understand this right, uh, an ICO called Chrome Away gave him two and a half million dollars worth of their tokens. Uh, and then he was running a pool where he said he got an allocation. And what he was actually doing was just selling the tokens at a markup from the from the allocation to his pool. So who knows? Uh, who knows what's going on with this guy? You need to do your own research on people that are that are shilling the next big thing. He also had a thing going with Icon where he uh, basically like shilled Icon for weeks, sold a bunch of his coins and then like talked shit about Icon and told them he was selling so that when all the people who were left holding the bags after he sold the shitload that he had. He was like, look, guys, sorry, I didn't like this was supposed to be a good project, but they had a problem with me. And then they released screenshots where he's like arguing with one of the team members or something. So anyway, this guy is this guy's right up there with John McAfee. Like he is he is not somebody you should be idolizing. He's not somebody you should be watching. And if you want to do your research on that, you should do it. I'm sorry. I just I'm confused because his website and in his Twitter, it says that he he was featured on Forbes and on The Wall Street Journal and on CNBC. So oh, wow. how can he be a scam artist is if he's been on those reputable Because those sites? sources aren't reputable either. <laughs> oh, well, there you go, Michael. Whoa. Also not our Shot, competition. Shots fired, W uh, Wall Street Journal. So yeah. yeah. Hey, <laughs> the CEO of the Wall Street Journal wants to come on here and defend himself. <laughs> and de- we'll have you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but put it on my calendar. I'll check. I'll check the calendar. Yeah. <clears throat> Reach out to us. We'll we'll send you to our assistant, Zorro. And he will, uh, he'll decide whether you're allowed to come on the show or not. Uh, final little piece of information to tie into a story that we've had and that we've recently talked about. He was recently, remember that KuCoin big announcement? I believe the big announcement was that he was made an ambassador to KuCoin. No. So, yeah. It, it was either that or something else, but it was right around the same time. He <laughs> is now an ambassador to KuCoin, which is one of the exchanges that we believe is not doing the right thing and that may be bad so it's not this is just another tick mark in the red flags category for kucoin you know aren't you sometimes this is gonna sound fucked up but like sometimes i'm like so glad that some projects make it so easy to avoid them by just like waving their red flags in my face you know i mean I'm, like, I'm glad for me but it's so like other right. people don't catch this so yeah it sucks like, I don't want to be like, yeah, they deserve to lose their money if they didn't notice that Ian Bellino was no, a red flag. No, I'm not flag. saying they deserve to lose their money at all. I'm just saying that there's, like, if once a project decides that that's who they're going to have representing them, I, I don't remember who the other one was. Remember, there was somebody, 
they ended up letting them go too. Like they were going to have them at a conference and then everybody's like, really? This is okay. Well, good to know that this is, uh, no, you you talking about the EOS guy from John Oliver. That was one of them, but no, but there was another one. There was another one that like one of these projects hired like a spokesperson that was going to represent them. And I think it might've been Craig, Wright. It was Craig, Wright. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. 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 Speaking of which we wait until the end of the episode to drop some really exciting news for you guys. Uh, Craig Wright is Satoshi, right, Brent? Yeah, Craig Wright's totally Satoshi. He is the Satoshi of the... He's the super Satoshiest of all. He's the biggest Satoshi there ever was. Um, so, yeah, Craig Wright. Here we are talking about Craig Wright again. I don't know. You know, it sucks, but we are. Um, he... <laughs> so, the first thing I want to talk about is we haven't gone over the the drama with him splitting off from Bitcoin Cash because we haven't looked into it, and honestly, I'm really hoping the community just fucking ignores it. Like, that's it. Let him go. Get rid of him. Vitalik uh, said, take this opportunity to sever yourself from this piece of crap. Um, and, you know, Vitalik was uh, was burning. He burned Craig Wright earlier this week. He said, uh, if it turned out that Craig Wright was Satoshi, I would be more likely to change my opinion of Satoshi than change my opinion of Craig Wright. So it was like, you know, this guy, this guy sucks. Like, don't, don't, if you think you might want to listen to him, he is basically the Donald Trump of fucking crypto. Like, he's just lying and like hoping people don't catch him. And then he lied and said he was Satoshi and he wasn't. So some trolls on Twitter, here's the actual reason for the story. Some trolls on Twitter basically go on there and they're like, you can't even program Hello World, which is like a thing that you're supposed to get programs to do to like print Hello World to like say that you're, hey, this works, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> what would Donald Trump do if somebody, if he like noticed that somebody told him he couldn't do something? He would like, well, he would do it. Yeah. Well, no, he I'm would so have them. somebody else do it for him and then he would say that he did it, right? So that's exactly what Craig, Le- Craig Wright went and copy pasted somebody else's code, put it on Twitter, and was like, of course I can. Did you forget that I was a professor of like whatever the fuck? And then he pasted it. But like the comments, were exactly the same as the person's comments that he copy pasted it from. He didn't even change them. So like he, so he just put, he just posted it like that, and uh, and obviously Twitter was having a field day with it. That everybody was super excited that this guy can't even like get that right. So um, that's you know maybe we should talk about the Bitcoin Cash drama at some point, but but he just needs to go away, and hopefully this facilitates that. Agreed. Yeah, I got Stop. nothing to add there. Stop talking about fake Toshi including us. Let's stop talking about that fucker. <laughs> so for this next story, uh, so just quick shout out to Brent. Uh, you did Bat 101 recently. So a quick story. I was loading the Brave browser and I was importing all of my bookmarks. And when I imported my bookmark for Bittrex, I remember thinking out loud, is Bittrex like even still a thing? Like I just had heard nothing from them. It had, it's been strange like how often we talk about pretty much every other exchange. And in my eyes, it could be a good or bad thing. However, Brent, what did what is this story about? So, for the listeners that may not be familiar, Bitrix was kind of the go-to alt exchange before Binance. Um, that is prob- that's where I made my first purchase of Neo. I think um, that Bitrix was. I had a Bitrix account before I had a Binance account. Bitrix was kind of supposed to be the the better the, or the better crypto exchange, but. Binance completely destroyed them. And maybe they did that via their referrals program, or maybe they did that 
because they provided a much better product. And here is an example of kind of an exchange fucking up. And I have some reasons for this, but here's, you know, last time I used Bitrix was involved Zencash because uh, I don't think Zencash was on, or I'm sorry, Horizon wasn't on um, Binance at the time. I don't think, they, I think they still aren't or just got listed. I can't remember, but they are on there. So, now. so what happened is Bitrix had a two-factor authentication. There was a user that had it and they went into the chat to get it shut off because they lost their phone, which is actually pretty normal. Like I've, I've actually had to do this myself. What Binance does is they make you verify a bunch of stuff and then you have to wait 24 or 48 hours before you can access your account. They may have changed that. Um, but this person goes in and he's like, hey, I lost the 2FA for my account, the two-factor authentication, usually using the Google Authenticator app. And uh, the the, uh, the the chat rep is like, okay, I just need to ver- verify some things. I need you to verify how much is in that uh, the wallet. And I need you to verify um, one of your most recent transactions, like one of your trades. And I'm sure you could actually investigate this on the blockchain somehow. I'm not 100% sure how, but... I, I don't know how like the pooling with those things works, but the person said like I had 0. 0.05 or 0. 0.5 Bitcoin. I can't remember which one, but there was a point and a five and they didn't answer the second question. Like to me, it looked like they were still looking for, they were like, damn, what did I buy? Like, I can't remember. And they're like, maybe they're looking at their Delta or their whatever. And I guess the person just waited too like they waited too long. And the rep was like, okay, you're all set. Your two FA has been turned off. Um, you're not going to be able to withdraw for 24 hours, but just go ahead and log back in and you're good to go. Like they, they asked two verification questions, one of which was probably easy to find on blockchain if you knew what you were doing. The other of which would have been a little bit more difficult, but neither of like they didn't even wait for them to do the second one and they unlocked the two factor authentication. Uh, my hypothesis now completely unproven here is that they probably have some sort of internal controls that if uh, an agent is taking too long with somebody, they get in some kind of trouble. Like uh, they need to be going fast through these support tickets because all of the support tickets are backed up, right? So they probably were like, shit, this guy's like not responding. Okay, like I'm going to get in trouble if I don't just like end this. But if I end it without opening up his two-factor authentication, he's going to give me a bad rating and I'm not, and I'm going to get in trouble too. So I'm just going to unlock his two-factor authentication even though he didn't give me the second verification thing because is he really trying to steal? Probably not. I think I'm fine. And then they and then they got out of there. Again, complete conjecture, but it makes sense to me in the in like the story realm. And it is a very important thing to have the to the have the interests of the customer mm-hmm. service rep and security and everybody else aligned, which is why you can't impose a, any sort of penalty for taking too long. Think about like a Zappos.com. When a customer service rep from Zappos is talking to you. They are allowed to talk to you literally about what you're going to see for di- what you're eating for dinner, what movie you're <laughs> going to see. They can give you all the re- they have the complete power of uh, an employee give all refunds, do everything they need to do, and nobody has ever once in the entire history of the company told a Zappos employee they're taking too long to talk to a to a customer because that's like part of their culture. So it's the opposite. So I think here we're running into like they're understaffed. They're their security's a little bit lax, and now they've let this person unlock their account too easily. Um, and they're not the only one. There are uh, there was another uh, another person that just emailed them from their email address, and they're like, "Yep, sure, you're good." They didn't even do any verification. So you got to do your due diligence out there. Be careful on the exchanges that you use. Look at their best practices, and 
you know, your money is not is not safe on exchanges. I told you that a million times, and don't leave it on there. But if you do, make sure you're leaving it on with the right ones that aren't going to let a hacker steal your shit. Yep. All right. I think next up is crypto around the world. Cream, you're up. It looks like an Italian football club is making some history. What are they doing? See, si. all right. So this is one of those stories, uh, Brent. I know you're familiar with this little swing where you r- see a title and you're like, "Oh, interesting," and then you see something else and you're like, "Eh, not that interesting." And then you see something else and you're like, "Ah, right, a little interesting." So <laughs> this is a little. Up, down, up, down. So, a roller coaster ride. Yeah. So, first we start with the title, the one that got mm-hmm. my attention. Italian club is the first, it makes history by being the first sports team purchased with cryptocurrency. Boom. Oh, that's, cool. that's a big deal. That's a big deal, right? That's pretty cool. And I don't know, like, it might involve some like badass Italian Bitcoin millionaire who was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm buying Fuck the team. <laughs> I'm going to get some good players. I Like something baller, right? It's it's like Madden. Money real lucky, life. don't care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somebody just got lucky with Bitcoin and he's like, ah, I'm no FIFA 19. <laughs> I'm just going to buy a team. <laughs> no Lambos for me. I buy a real team. I don't yeah. know why he became Russian all of a sudden. Ah, be- <laughs> because he had Bitcoin. So anyway. <laughs> um, all right. So the club's name is the Rimini FC. 1912 and but here's the part where it wasn't as cool actually it was a company called quantacoin a cryptocurrency called quantacoin and they only bought 25 percent of the team and they bought it using their native token so <laughs> it's <laughs> then i was like oh okay so wow this so is more like ICO, some kind of publicity business son. partnership kind of thing but yeah the part where it did get a little bit cool. I did like this when they were talking to the Quantacoin guy. His pitch, his interest in soccer uh, was to specifically fight corruption in soccer by making all of the money that the teams make and the money that's paid to players and managers just completely transparent. Um, oh. Yeah, exactly. Where it was like, okay, Turns well, Turns out you we know, know something I, that can do that. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, it's already like obviously. I think that the it's famous how corrupt FIFA is and how much corruption there's in soccer and everything. I'm sure they're not alone, but they're famously corrupt. So this would be cool. And there's already been steps taken towards more transparency. So like the Union of European Football Associations um, just made a decision that starting next season, clubs have to release all of informa- all of the information of how much they're paying each player to all the agents. So I guess that's they're doing that for fair negotiations and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, not a young Bitcoin millionaire buying a football team to have some fun, uh, but whatever. Maybe someday we'll see less corruption in football. Yeah, not so bad. Yeah, not so bad. Now I really want to see like a movie about... like <laughs> Like the guy from the Bitcoin documentary... That lived in the treehouse, just like buying a football team and, and being like, you know what? I'm buying the Cleveland Browns. That's it. Yeah. Let's go. And, <laughs> and now and now he buys the Browns and they're still just as bad as they were before he bought them. 
If it was me, I would be buying the Buccaneers and I'd be like, all right, is uh, Derek Brooks still in the league? Give him a call. <laughs> I need my call sign immediately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get him on the phone. Stat. <laughs> uh, all right. Any, anything you guys want to rant about today? Uh, nothing, no. Nothing especially. No, Sounds good. Nothing all ranty. Right. I'm happy. Let's, Are you guys happy? I'm having a pretty good day. Yeah. Yeah. Brent, That's good. I know you had some complications this morning, but everything's good now, right? Muy bien, yeah, every, happy. Every, everything is good now. <laughs> Brent complications is are taking he care had some of. Tough workouts earlier this morning. But we're <clears> yeah, dude. Brent, Brent hit the gym for the first time in a while. I'm proud of him. Hey. <laughs> All right, mailbag time. The mail is coming. That's our new drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crit basic. Flagship Friday. You listen to the mailbag drop, where we break down a member's thoughts. Just starting crypto, don't you stop. Keep listening till you hit the spot. Woo! All right, the screen name I believe is SCH. Yes, last. No, no, it's no, SCH, no. and then it was last Sunday. Uh, yeah, hey, was it was on Sunday that he had his reckless <laughs> abandon. I thought his name okay. was Shalast. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so sh- I still have a question. Bitcoin and power usage. One of our normally trustworthy media medias published an article about Bitcoin dying off because of the power consumption. What do we think about that? No Green. chance. No chance. No chance. I think that um, there will, number one, always be cheap power somewhere. There's going to be solar plants, uh, air plants, power generating, whatever. You already have a bunch of them Bitcoin mining going somewhere where power is super cheap. That's number one. Number two, we're going to get cheaper and cheaper power as renewable technology keeps getting better and better and more efficient. Number three, I think if there was significant pressure on the Bitcoin network where you could actually see that it's declining because of power consumption, there would be a lot of motivation in the community to actually put some kind of proof of stake into play if you know like if seriously if bitcoin it looked like it was gonna fall out of the top 10 or something then you would see a very different network dynamics so i don't i don't buy this position at all on a scale of on a scale of one to ten none percent damn yeah i I agree now one it i don't even know that the first thing they're saying which is uh bitcoin dying off is true I, I know that the Bitcoin price has fallen, but I do not believe that we're in any sort of less usage for crypto overall as far as, as what it's supposed to be. So I think that they're conflating two things there and that um, that Bitcoin dying off is not happening. So I don't even agree with the premise, much less the cause. And is the price going down because of because the power consumption? No. Nobody, nobody cares about the, the power consumption right now. They're, they're happy to be mining and they're mining and they're paying their power or whatever. It's going to, it is like a, an environmental concern, how much power is being used to mine Bitcoin. And we've talked about that many different times, but it's going to move itself around. And of all the factors that may stop implementation, the, uh, power consumption, I think is probably not one of them. Yeah. I got nothing else to add there. I think the Bitcoin's very established and we are, if if they're doing this type of research, then they need to look a little deeper, and I would consider them as less trustworthy on this topic than other topics. Yeah, and and like Brent said about the price, you know, other metrics like transactions per day 
are still mostly going up. Yes, they're not where they were, like peak peak crypto, you know, January, December, whatever. But it's still going up overall. The network's still healthy. Yes. I, I would suggest right. that non-speculative transactions are still going up, even though there's no metric that we can have to, like, measure that. I would I would imagine that more person to person like actual transactions are happening day to, on a daily basis complete guess but that would be my my thought even if the overall transactions are going down i would further speculate that brent's speculation has a non-zero chance of being above 50 <laughs> percent. yeah that's a that's hard hitting analysis right there and i'm gonna mostly probably agree with you on that one at least i'm gonna report that you're correct <laughs> yeah Speaking of, it seems there are signs that there's some correctness involved here. Yeah, definitely. And and as a side note, guys, I was doing some uh, really in-depth analysis of cryptocurrency prices, and it looks like it's a good buy. Uh, I did like prices. It, everything looks really cheap. Uh, <laughs> so they're hot and cheap yeah, coins. Everything looks great. Yep, prices prices looking good across the board today, guys. You know, number one <laughs> is Bitcoin, of course. Number two is the Ethereum <laughs> yeah. Wirium. We've talked about this before. Uh, this is how I mean. This is how a huge portion of the of the market is for content creators on crypto, right? Just open up Coin Market Cap, read from the top, go down the list. <laughs> talk about whether you like the price or not. Base it on some completely yeah. arbitrary value, like not even doing like the technical analysis. You're just like you're just like yeah, I don't know. Neo seems. I mean, look at Neo. Yeah. It's, it's at it's at nineteen dollars. I mean, come on. Uh, Did you on. know Neo is the Chinese Ethereum? Yes, like, Neo. So I've heard. What else could you ask for? If it gets as big as Ethereum, how much money are you going to make? And then you have to like. By the way, when you get to something, you have to act surprised, but then still give a nondescript amount. So like, you're going down the list. Oh wow, look here. You can see Monero at 98 minus five percent. That could could be a good buy, but you know also. Monero, it, you know, a lot of stuff is down, so maybe not. But anyway, <laughs> you got to be careful when things break the hundred dollar plateau because they quickly fall after that. That's right. So anyway, I hope you guys like this experimental. This is going to be our new format going forward. If you like it, <laughs> let us know. We, we call it Crypto Basic new- Reads Coin Market Cap. Now, important to make, <laughs> like I said, Ethereum, Wirium. You have to rhyme something in there if you can. Like, I'm it's- not gonna lie. It, just as a from an artistic perspective, the three of us recording like twelve hours worth of just reading coin market cap and like a solid loop would be just absolutely amazing no down to like the thousandth coin where we act like we know everything about every one of them <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah. The, on like the third day we're just like and here we are at veritasium no uh, wow <laughs> guys we see here revain revain is down 1.88 percent in the last 24 hours 12 oh, cents man. a coin it's really good. I mean, <laughs> but look at Telecoin, though. Right there. Right there with it. <laughs> uh, anyway, if you like this new format, please let us know. All right. That's going to do it for today's edition of the Friday Flagship on the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name was Mike. I was here with Brent and Kareem. Thanks again for tuning in. Be The members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors. Their analysis of coin market cap was satirical in nature. All investments have inherent risk. And if everything looks cheap right now, it's because everybody lost money. (laughs) So it's not so cheap. But it is cheap. It's cheaper for you than it was for others. Yes. 